The Defence Forces are tonight continuing to revise their recruitment plans after the Thornishta expressed dismay at initial plans to recruit just 540 people this year. Micheál Martin says he wants more ambitious proposals, but how possible are they with 1,600 more people leaving the Defence Forces but joining over the last decade? Uh, to you first, Cahal Berry here, again, former member of the Defence Forces. Plans, more ambitious plans needed for recruitment, but that stark figure of people leaving. How could the shortfall be made up? Yeah, there's, I would say the two P's are the reason. First of all, pay, and pay has improved a little bit, uh, particularly for people with, with less than three years service. Mm. Um, so that's, that's positive. But the second P is more concerning, and that's purpose. Um, there's a sense among the defence community that basically the, the political body, both in opposition and, and in government, um, don't value the defence force or the job they do. If you just look at the, the structure of the cabinet, for instance, we have two full-time standalone education ministers. We have one for primary and secondary, one for uh, tertiary and, uh, and, and, and fourth level as well. Um, but we, we don't have a, a dedicated defence minister. So that tells the defence community that it's not really valued. Defence contributions on pay. Sean Clancy, the chief of staff of the Defence Forces, was at the very same seat you were on Tuesday, mm. and he said the pay package was comparable with anything in the public sector. So is the pay that, that is that pay not attractive? No, the pay is improving. Um, but just if I could parry back to the purpose bit, and I'll give another example. We have a junior minister for defence, for instance, appointed Peter Burke. Um, I have a good time for him, but he has no powers. So there's very little political oversight, almost none. Um, and as a result, uh, people are going, well, if the government and if the parliament don't care for the defence forces, wh- wh- why should I as well? So, so the issue is more purpose than pay now at this stage. Uh, the pay has improved, but what you have to do to earn that pay is significant. Many people are working 80 hours a week, so the pay looks good if you think that they're doing a 40-hour 40, 40 week but significantly it's much higher. So the, the pay per hour is still an issue. Rory or Marakou, um, what would you do? Well, obviously paying conditions are issues that need to be dealt with. There's also the issue outstanding in relation to the working time uh, directive. And look, we need to see uh, the defence forces that there has been a huge level you know, of underfunding over, over many years. Um, look, and, and then we have to look at the job they do, and we know the job and the respect that we have across the world but in relation what, what to our pay no, but in from, relation to the, our peacekeepers. And I think I just yeah. should mention, obviously, f- coming from Dundalk, like the loss of Sean Rooney was something that you know th- that just laid it out for people. Um, basically, um, what the defence forces do and the sacrifices that some have made in relation to that. But the point that the pay is comparable with the public sector, which was made by the head of the defence forces, do you accept that point? Well, I, I, as I say, it's it is an element of pay, and and you know what I mean. Like I've had a number of those from the defence forces who've spoken about, let's say, conditions that were better for them. You know, even for people who would have been employed 10 and 20 years ago, you know what I mean? So I, I don't think we're quite in the place that we need to be in relation to, to deliver. And they're making the decision with their feet. I, I think that's the fair point. Like we should be in around 9,600 to make that, uh, what is it, uh, level of ambition to we, where we're looking for 11,500 and we're, we're at 7,550. So we're nowhere next to near. We've actually less than we had last year. Well, just to answer the issue on pay, um, look, it, pay has been a huge issue and conditions have been a huge issue for a number of years. And finally, there has been progress. Is it enough? 
that's for another day to see if there's a need to increase that. But as Carl said, for those who are have three years and under service, it is more attractive now than it was. And that has been a long run. Reaching issue, so the goal good. of 11,500 people. As I said earlier on, I said I knew we would return to this element of, of recruitment in any organisation at this current time uh, with unemployment, you know, so low that there is a real issue in terms of attracting and retaining existing staff and the defence forces are no different. So 11,500 people by 2028 of a goal, is that attainable? I think it is. Um, I think uh, Brian Malloy has spoken out about the challenge about reforming the organisation. He's well geared and able for the job Um, but he also recognises the challenge that exists with recruiting that number of additional staff uh, between now and... Yeah, and seven and a half thousand at the moment is our force. Cahill Berry, you've compared that to a, a house without a burglar alarm. Well, that's true, but I would say it's even more severe than that. It's like a house where you don't lock the doors and windows at night. So if your house is burgled, for instance, and the guards come around the following morning and say, well, I don't see any um, sign of a forced entry, and you explain to the guards that, well, I, our culture here is that we don't lock the doors and windows at night. I mean, the guards aren't going to think very highly of you. But just, if I could just go back to the pay, the, the big issue with pay at the moment is lack of overtime. So our armed, armed forces personnel don't get overtime. So what the basic package has improved, the basic pay, it's the lack of shift allowances. Right now. They might get an extra euro an hour if they do a 24-hour duty and that's where that, the next focus should be. A house without a burglar alarm and even a lot more, well, says Cottleberry. There's actually a strategic defence review underway uh, within the department and in fairness, if you look at the Department of Defence, Cottle's point earlier about a dedicated minister or whatever else to it, I think if you look at the amount of changes that have happened within the defence forces and the amount of um, reviews and commissions and everything else that's been done, there's a lot of change happening in the organisation as a whole. So, so between is the burglar alarm being installed, Deputy? I think it is yes. If you want to use that analogy, I think it is, and I think I think in fairness, uh, the capability and the the, you know, the professionalism of our defence forces is there already, even with the seven thousand odd. Also revealed in the doll recently, following a parliamentary question from Social Democrat TD Catherine Murphy, was in relation to the number of female recruits. Do you have those figures there, Sarah? I have a version of these figures. Um, this. In August, it was found that uh, just one woman had successfully applied for and joined the Defence Forces out of 600 applicants. So that is in the first eight months of the year. You might have more recent figures than I do, Barry. But um, they... Basically, what these figures showed was that there is psychometric test, which is a mandatory part of the screening, and it tests kind of various... Um, aspects of personality, motivation, aptitude and abilities that must be Defence Force candidates must have. Two thirds of women fell at this hurdle. They kind of either said that they don't want to do it or they failed it. Um, it, this was actually broken down further. Um, so almost half of all women whose applicants were viable never showed up to the test. And then 151 failed the test. So this is quite a big stumbling block. The fitness and medical portion of the screening process was another um, opportunity where women were kind of either blocked or decided to throw in the towel. But it all must be 
this this is all takes place um, while the women of honour are still very much in the back of people's minds. In March of last year, less than a year ago, there was a damning report that found that the de- Defence Forces barely tolerates women was the line that came out. Barely tolerates women at best and is basically hell on earth for mm. at worst. Um, 88% of respondents had um, experienced some form of sexual harassment. There were absolutely harrowing um, accounts of so, rape uh, and um, yeah. sexual assault being covered up. Um, it was really, really harrowing. So a point was made that, you know, historically women don't have, um, a tr- there isn't a track record of treating women well in the Defence Forces. And this is probably going through applicants' minds as they proceed through the screening process. Well, it's 540 new recruits, only 39 are female and overall less than 600 women in our Defence Forces. Cahill Berry, despite a policy of equal opportunity with those figures and what we heard from Sarah there suggest otherwise. No, absolutely. We need to get more diversity into the Defence Forces for sure. Um, so it's about 7 or 8% um, women in the Defence Force at the moment, which is a better gender balance than, for instance, in midwifery or in, in nursing or in, or in uh, building sites. So, I mean, we have to be, I suppose, realistic from that point of view. One other factor which is rarely mentioned as well is uh, other Defence Forces around the world who have better gender balance they would have a better balance in terms of the Air Force and their Navy for instance so our Defence Force is a very army heavy and our army is very infantry heavy which involves carrying lots of backpacks very very physical robust um, type work so if we rebalance our Defence Forces we would like to think that a lot more women will join and also if you look at the Reserve Defence Forces while the regulars have a, a rate of about 7% women participation mm. it's about 15% in the Reserves But are the low numbers overall to be expected given as we've learned as well that government and other senior officers were warned as far back as 1989 um, about essentially the issues which came to light in the Women of Honour documentary in 2021 so are those low figures then to be expected yeah, it's a factor for sure. Like this is a, an unacceptable societal issue, and if it's in society, it's in the defence forces. Um, I, I wouldn't be of the view that it is a unique issue in the defence force. Like I, I've worked in farming, worked in uh, in medicine, I've worked in politics, worked in the military. The place where I was treated the best. And the place where I saw people treated the best was in the Defence Force, for sure. So it's a societal issue, it's unacceptable uh, and it needs to be stamped out. Rory Armonico. Well, I think it would be fair to say that Cahill isn't the woman and, you know what I mean, there obviously was a huge issue. We know the great work that has been done in highlighting the terrible, you know, travesties that were carried out on women um, and issues that weren't dealt with. And we're talking about everything from you know, bullying right through to sexual assault, rape. Um, and look, we know there are still issues in relation to the terms of reference and, and, and dealing with that particular issue. And I think government probably could have steered that, you know, to a better degree. But, to you know, that's on their way. I think the ethos is a particular issue. And then beyond that, we need to review the means by which. And, and we've got better in relation to providing people with alternative roadmaps into a huge amount of jobs and all the Mm. rest of it and sometimes that means facilitatory Um, courses and all the rest of it. We do need to look at all of this. Just another element in relation to this, uh, Cormac Devlin, is an issue that was raised in the Shannath last week. This is military representatives raising concerns about a new piece of legislation they believe will prevent them criticising government policy around recruitment and retention with the Defence Forces and also carry, uh, impose limitations in relation 
opposition to um, union activity or representative group activity. Some are calling it a gagging order. Yeah, I've, I've heard the criticism levelled at the bill um, and, you know, if there are um, amendments, I know uh, one senator had raised it, Senator Crockwell, I think it was, in the Defence uh, Force or the Defence uh, Committee. So I think, um, you know, where there are concern around wording, then amendments can be tabled. Um, but I certainly think... Going Does it back, represent a gagging order at the moment? No, I don't think that's the intention of the bill. And in fairness, I think senior management have, have said that as well. Within, or sorry, the Assistant um, Secretary General of the Department have, have, have said that at committee, that that's not the intention of the bill. Okay, but Let's then see if what there's happens. an issue, it needs to be addressed. It's mm. just as simple as that. We've seen some positive moves around RACO and PD4 and 